Girlfriends, episode number 226, Trusting God by Putting Out Your Nets. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about trusting in God, an ongoing topic here at Girlfriends. I can't wait to connect with you. Let's get going. Hey, Girlfriends, how are you? Glad you are able to join me for this newest episode of the Girlfriends podcast. I hope you're doing well. We've been talking a lot about quarantine and coronavirus and health worries and financial woes in the past several weeks. And now um, we're dealing with even bigger problems that are going on in our country and the world at large, perhaps right outside your front door. Political violence and disunity and racial discrimination. And it's really a scary, heavy world out there right now. I'm really feeling it. And I'm pretty isolated, pretty insulated here in New Hampshire, where we live out in the country. We're not near any big cities. We don't have that sort of thing going on right outside our front door, not even in our community. The protests that have taken place here in New Hampshire have been peaceful. Um, But at the same time, watching the news and having friends and people that I love and know and care for in many parts of the country, watching the things that are going on in our world, it's really been discouraging. It's really been difficult. And for me, it's been a call toward prayer and toward greater reflection because there's not an awful lot I personally can do or probably you personally can do to stop violence on the streets or stop racial discrimination or um, stop police brutality or, you know, any of these big issues, we can sometimes feel powerless in the face of watching what's going on out there. Like there's nothing I can do to make that better. But God has a plan for each one of us. And he has a plan for the place in the world where he put us. And that includes this day and age, this time. He did indeed make you for such a time as this. We live today for a reason. We have a mission in today's world. And he wants for us to be a part of his work in the world today. So it is our responsibility to be discerning what we can do. It is our responsibility to be reflective on the ways in which God wants to use us to bring peace and bring healing and bring love to our fellow human beings, to be a source of truth and justice, to be a source of healing, to be a source of unity in a world that seems really focused on the opposite of all of those things. So that's a difficult thing, right? (laughs) To figure out what on earth can I do? And so I've been spending a little time in reflection, um, especially these past few days on um, some different scripture passages. And there's one in particular that I want to share with you today, and we can kind of walk through it and think about the ways in which God might be calling us to be his hands and feet in the world today, a world that desperately needs us to be speaking out in defense of people who can't speak for themselves, in defense of the idea of the inherent dignity of every human person. These are things that our our world gets wrong in a lot of ways today. And we as Christians have a unique opportunity to be bringing God's truth to the world in a way that can be unifying and healing and peacemaking. 
of course, that doesn't mean it's always going to work out perfectly, but I want to I want to talk a little bit. Um, so this passage that I want us to spend a little time reflecting on today is from Luke chapter 5. It's the very first passage in there, uh, verses 1 through 11 in chapter 5 of Luke. I'm just going to read it first, and then we'll kind of just walk through it a little bit, and I'll share some of my thoughts with you. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats so that they were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. So this is a really famous passage, right? Fishers of men, where where God is calling these men to do his work, right? Through the words and actions of Jesus there in this passage. And this is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry when people weren't sure who he was and what he was about, right? So this was part of, this was all part of it. They were beginning to discover what he was all about and how they might be called to be a part of that plan, to be a part of his mission here on earth. And when we read the gospel stories, we're really meant to put ourselves in them. So I want to encourage you to do that today. Put yourself in this story. Whatever way you might be struggling with what's going on in the world today, maybe what's going on in your family, in your workplace, in your own community, in what you see when you turn on the news or open up Twitter, whatever way you might be struggling with that, I want to invite you to place yourself inside of this passage Place yourself inside of this story in the Gospels. Picture yourself there present with Jesus in this moment. And let's talk a little bit about what we can learn about how Jesus calls us, how Jesus wants to use us to do his work in the world today from what goes on in this passage. It's a very simple story, right? So first of all, let's start at the very beginning with what happened at the end, because this is the outcome. This is what God wants. This is what he's calling every one of us to leave everything and follow him. Yeah, very simple concept, not easy to do. Leave everything and follow him. That is so powerful that this is their response, right? They left everything and followed him because of what they experienced there in that moment with Jesus. And that's what he wants us to take away from our encounter with him that we will want to leave everything and follow him, fully trusting in him. And now this is an ongoing theme here at Girlfriends. Our struggle to trust in the goodness of God is the 
the foundation of every sinful inclination we might ever have, everything we might ever choose wrongly to do has at its base this lack of trust in the goodness of God, lack of trust in God's plan, wanting instead to choose our plan, the very human inclination to be wanting to count on ourselves, our own hard work, perhaps, our own virtue. We're going to do it ourselves or wanting very much to trust in the things we can see and know, material things, or even human relationships, wanting to trust in those things because we feel like, I know that, there's security in that, rather than what feels unknown, the hidden plans of God. So that's what God wants from all of us. That's all he wants. He wants everything. (laughs) Leave everything and follow him. That doesn't mean, of course, abandoning your duties, right? If you have a family, if you have work, it doesn't mean that. God very much works with us where we are, but it's very much more about a mental idea, an emotional and spiritual ideal of being detached from those things in a way that allows us to give God's will precedence over everything in our lives, wanting every other thing we might do in our lives, even the very good things we do in our lives every day, wanting those to always be subject to our relationship with God, trusting in him first and foremost. He wants us to leave everything and follow him. That means letting go of those things that we're tempted to trust instead of him. Remember that story in the Gospels of the woman with the alabaster jar of oil, right? She breaks it open and anoints Jesus with this precious ointment, that alabaster jar You know, an alabaster jar wasn't something that had a lid on it that you could just, you know, open it up and take a little bit out and save the rest for another day. No, you needed to break it open. It was an alabaster jar. I like to reflect on what are our alabaster jars that we're holding on to that we're not allowing to be broken open to give all of ourselves to God? What are we holding back sometimes from God? He's calling on us to leave everything and follow him. In what ways are we holding back out of fear, out of insecurity, out of a false sense of comfort, out of a false sense of security that comes from the things we know and we can see and we can touch and we can feel, rather than what feels unknown, what feels hidden from us, which is God's will, God's desire to give us every good thing. Trusting in God in that way is a difficult thing to do. It's that leap that he's asking us to make. He's asking us to make it when we read this gospel passage here with Peter today. Okay, so the other thing that I want to point out too is that Jesus asks us to work too. It's not just about leaving everything and, 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 you know, trusting in God and he's going to do all the work. He asks us to work. It's notable that this particular miracle of the fish happens after Peter and his fellow fishermen have spent a long night fishing and caught not a single thing. Sometimes God asks us to have that kind of trust, to work our very hardest while trusting in him and not yet seeing the fruits of that labor. That's a very difficult thing to do, to keep on working, even when we're not seeing the results that we want yet, even when it feels like it's a failure, God asks us to put that work in. That is part of the process of trusting in him. Going back again and again, working at that relationship, working on your marriage, working at parenting your kids, disciplining your kids again and again and again, going back and doing that hard work, trusting in the goodness of God, 
always placing ourselves at God's disposal, always wanting to be open to hearing God's will in our lives, open to hearing God's voice, right? Making sure that you have that relationship with our Lord. You can't say, oh, Jesus, I trust in you, and then expect all is going to fall into place if you're not also checking in with God, if you don't have an ongoing relationship with God. That's really an important part of this whole puzzle. We need to be connected with him. You're not going to hear his voice if you're not taking the time every day to spend in prayer, to spend in quiet meditation, to be open to hearing the voice of God. In what ways is he calling you to do that? What might he be saying to you that you are not hearing because you filled your life with busyness and distraction, activity? And I'm not lecturing you without being guilty of it myself. I, I know these temptations and I know the habits that we can fall into, the things we can get distracted by, the good work that we can get distracted by doing that can become to replace that real connection that God wants to have with us. But God is calling us to do our own work too. We need to exhaust ourselves doing God's work and trusting that he's going to make up for where we're lacking the way that he did with Peter, who worked all through the night fishing with nothing to show for it. And then when he placed his trust in God, when despite his own reluctance, he threw his nets out for another catch, that's when he experienced the abundance of God's goodness. That's where he saw the fruit of all that work, all that effort. So when we trust in God in this way, as Peter does in this story, when he throws his nets out for another catch, he casts out into the deep, despite his own, what he thought, knowledge, that there was going to be nothing there. God rewards that trust. I think that's the other part of this passage that it's really important to reflect on is that God rewards our trust when we put our faith into action, even when we're not feeling it, perhaps especially when we're not feeling it. God delights in that. He loves to see that his children trust him and that we want to do his will, even when we don't see it, even when it doesn't make sense to us right? Because first of all, you see, you see Peter's resistance there, right? But he trusts anyway, and then God rewards that. He rewards it with, with goods, very physical goods. He can reward that with abundance in our lives and abundance of good things in our lives, the, the great catch of fish, right? So he rewards Peter's trust with this amazing, miraculous catch of fish that's breaking the nets and sinking the boats, that's what God wants to give you. He wants to give you good things like that in abundance. Our God is a God of abundance. He wants to give us every good thing to the fullest, but he's looking for us to trust in him first. That's the reward for your trust. He also gives us greater knowledge of ourselves, who we are, who he is. Because in that moment, look at that moment where, where Peter, he experiences this miraculous catch of fish and he's not focused on, oh, wow, this is, this is so great for my livelihood, right? I can sell all this fish and now I've got, I've got wealth. It wasn't about that. He was immediately recognizing that he was a sinner and that Jesus was God, right? He fell to his knees and said, leave me for I'm a sinful man. He was suddenly very aware of who he was. And what a gift that is to know who we are in the eyes of God, to know who God is. 
God gives us that. If we trust in him, he rewards us not only with greater goods, not only with an abundance of blessings, but he rewards us with knowledge, greater knowledge of who he is, a greater understanding of who God is, who we are, how he's calling us to do his work. So Peter had that self-knowledge as a result of his trusting action, despite his reluctance, throwing those nets out. But also, when we trust in God, he calls us closer to him. He draws us in closer to him through that knowledge of ourselves, through that knowledge of who he is. He gives us a greater knowledge of what our mission is. So many of us are struggling in the face of world events right now, not knowing, how can I be a helper? What can I do? I can't fix it. What is God calling us to do? What, how is he calling us to do his work in the world today? As messed up and as broken and as falling apart, as on fire as the world is, how is he calling us to do his work, to be his hands, his feet, be fishers of men? So he called Peter to be a fisher of men. And he's calling us too to do similar work in our own ways, in different ways. Each of us has a different mission. But when we place our trust in God, that's how we come to understand that. That's where we can get that mission. God's not going to send you, you know, paperwork. It's all written out. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's the work I have planned for you in my kingdom. He's expecting us to make that leap of faith, that trusting in him first leaning on him, trusting in his goodness, being open to the ways that he might be calling us to do his work. He'll give us greater knowledge of ourselves, greater knowledge of him. And inside of that greater knowledge, we will come to a greater understanding of what work he is calling us to do. And it might be work as simple as in the heart of your home, in your own marriage, in your own family, in your own motherhood. It might be something great. It might be something much bigger than that outside of that space, but only you can come to know that inside of your relationship with God, inside of your relationship with Jesus, by stepping forward in faith, trusting in God, even when you don't see it yet. When we launch ourselves into God's plan, that's when he begins to work in us. That's when he begins to do his work through us. He wants us to be trusting in him and placing ourselves at his disposal first. That comes first. The other thing that stands out to me in this passage, and I think this is really relevant for us, especially those of us who are, who are struggling with, you know, the news in the world today, is that God wants our help. You know, sometimes in, in our prayers, we might think like, God, please just fix everything now. Give us peace. Give us unity. Give us justice. But God wants our help to do those things. Like if you look at this gospel passage, Jesus made himself weak. First of all, he made himself human, right? And all the weakness that that implies, how it, unfathomable it is that God would become man. And yet, so he did that first of all. But then even inside of these little moments, right, where first he needs Peter's boat. The crowds are pressing in on him so much he can't speak his words to the crowds. So he needs Peter's boat. He needs Peter's help to speak his word. Imagine that. This is God. God needs this little fisherman's help. He needs this boat this old boat, in order to speak his word to his people. God places himself in a position where he needs that. Why would he do that? Because he wants that connection. He wants that connection with us. He loves us so much. He makes himself need us. Think about Jesus as a tiny baby. Unimaginable. God becomes a tiny baby, helpless, completely needing us, needing 
the way that he needs Peter's boat, the way that he needs Peter's help. God makes himself need us because he wants to invite us into his work. He wants that closeness with us. But then also notable is the fact that we are sometimes resistant. And, you know, we can all relate to Peter where his, you know, his first response when Jesus tells him to put out his nets deep in the water and lower lower them for a catch, right? What does Simon say? Because he's Simon then, not Peter yet. Master, we have worked hard all night and we have caught nothing. How many times is that our response when God asks us to do something? Like, no, no, I already did that. It doesn't work, right? You might feel God calling you to something in your life and yet part of you is resisting saying, no, I'm, I'm no good at that thing. Or I tried that before and it was a failure. Or I saw somebody else do that once and it didn't work out. Or I've never yet seen the fruits of that kind of work. So that po- can't possibly be what God is calling me to do. We resist because we don't understand. We don't see God's perspective. We don't share God's perspective. We see these things in our frail and limited human ways. We're very limited by our human hearts and minds and souls. And we don't see God's plan. So we're resistant. You know, we, oh, no, no, God, that's a mistake, <laughs> right? How many times have you found yourself, even inside of your vocation, thinking, what an epic mistake this is? God can't have called me to this. God can't have called me to this marriage, this family this vocation, this work. God can't have called me to do this, be this kind of friend to this person, be this daughter to my parents, to be you know, this kind of worker in my workplace or this kind of a member of my community. That can't be because I don't feel up to the task because it's all a mistake. I don't feel like I have the right skills or talents to do it. God calls us and then supplies the graces as we need them. Just like he called Simon, Peter to lower his nets for a catch, even though he'd been working all night, fishing all night and had nothing to show for it. He calls him to do it. And of course he resists. And yet, despite his resistance, he says, but at your command, I will lower the nets. That's what we're called to do. We are called to, okay, fine, you know, give God that feedback. (laughs) He's used to it. You can resist. You can say, no, that's not going to work but then follow it up with, but at your command, I will do it. You can let God know that you've got doubts. He can take it. You can let God know that you're frustrated, that you're, you're struggling to trust, but then do it anyway. Lower your nets, whatever that means in your life. You know, as we're talking about and reading through this passage today, there might be some part of your life that you are feeling nudged by God, that you are feeling called by God to do something that's outside of your comfort zone. Do you hear God calling you to something to lower your net somewhere that you feel like, why would he ask me to do that? That doesn't make any sense that you're resisting. Well, I want to encourage you today to think about that, to pray about that, and then to consider the ways in which you might follow up your resistance with that simple act of faith that Peter gives us that great example of. But at your command, I will lower the nets. I'll do it. Not my will, but your will be done, right? Jesus gave us that beautiful example in prayer. First of all, in the Our Father, thy will be done. So hard to pray those words and mean them. And then he gives us that beautiful example in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
the night before his passion, where he says, Lord, take this cup from me. He's resisting. He gets it. He understands our human reluctance. Take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. That's the important part that we need to focus on. That's the follow-up. That is the leap of trust and faith that God is looking for from each of us. How are we resisting? How often we resist? It's okay. It's okay. It's human and it's normal to resist. It's human and it's normal to have that hesitation. But then make sure that you're following through. That's what God is calling you to do. Take that leap of faith and lower your nets for a catch, whatever that means for you right now. And then the final point that I want to note inside of this passage is that God wants friendship with us. It's so clear inside of this. He wants friendship with us inside of the work that he is calling us to do. He wants to be close to us. And how can we know that? Because when Peter recognizes his sinfulness and recognizes who Jesus is, the power, power that he has, right? He falls to his knees and he's afraid. And he says, leave me for I am sinful. And yet what is Jesus's response? He says, do not be afraid. And how many times in the gospel does Jesus say those words or some form of those words, fear not, have no fear, do not be afraid, don't be afraid. And why would he say that? Because he wants friendship with us. He doesn't want us. And this is part of why he became human. He wants that human connection with us in a way that we can relate to and understand. And when we recognize that he's God, of course, we're fearful. Of course, we recognize our unworthiness. And yet, in spite of those things, he wants that closeness with us. He wants that intimacy with us. He wants that deeply personal, loving, close connection with each of us in a personal way, not in some general way. He doesn't want to be close to humanity in a general sense. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to love him and know him deeply, personally, intimately. And he wants to love you in return in that same way. He wants to give you that gift. Do not be afraid. So we can recognize who Jesus is, who God is. We can recognize our unworthiness, but then recognize that he calls us anyway. He wants to use us. He makes himself weak so that we might have that relationship with him. We might form that bond with him. We might connect with him inside of the ways in which he makes himself weak so that he needs us. What a beautiful gift that is. What an amazing gift it is to have a God who is so good, so all-powerful, so all-good, and yet also wants a deeply personal human connection with each one of us. Do not be afraid. In whatever way God is calling you closer to him, it's normal to have fear and it's normal to have hesitations. It's normal to hesitate, to trust in him because we can't see it all yet. We want that security. We want to know how it's all going to work out before we step forward, before we cast our nets out for a catch. And yet he's calling us to act anyway, to act in faithful trust of him. And he's looking to reward that trust in so many ways. So now that we've chatted a little bit about this passage, I just want to close this section by reading it one more time, because I'm a big believer in the fruits that can come from thoughtful, slow, deliberate, repeated reading of God's word, because he speaks to us through scripture. And when we 
reflect on it, when we take time to meditate on it. He speaks to us in our particular circumstances. He speaks to us in ways that apply to our very lives today through these ancient words, through these ancient texts, through these ancient stories of things that happened so long ago. They have such direct relevance for our lives today. So now that we've talked about this this brief passage for a little bit here, I'm going to read it back through and I want to encourage you to listen and open your heart up to whatever way God might be calling you to be his hands and feet, to be a fisher of men in today's world. So this is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. They came and filled both boats so that they were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners of Simon, Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. I want to encourage you to take some time reflecting on and praying on the ways in which God might be calling you today to leave everything and follow him. Coming up, I'm going to be sharing with you some news about some projects that Dan and I have been working on together. But first, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it. But what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. 
Welcome back. So I shared with you last week about the Catholic Marriage Summit, which is taking place online. It's a virtual kind of retreat for couples. Um, It's a new ministry, Joyful Ever After, which is started by Damon and Melanie Owens. Um, I've known and loved them for a long time. Melanie was part of the Momnipotent series um, that I recorded, the, the video portion of that particular study that I made with Ascension way back in the day. It seems like uh, just yesterday, but I guess it's been a few years now. Um, but anyway, so they've, they've begun this new ministry, which is focused on Catholic marriages and focused on bringing couples together with other couples to really just talk about the importance of marriage, talk about some of the struggles and the trials that even good marriages deal with, you know, I think it's important to recognize that even very good marriages, even very holy people who love and want to encourage and support each other go through hard times sometimes or or face everyday challenges. And it's really helpful to come together with other Catholic couples and share about those things and share about, you know, here's what works for us. Here's how we got through a hard time, or here's a, sort of a reminder of who you are and what this vocation is and why it's all worthwhile. So really valuable connections that can be made through that ministry. Um, so the upcoming Catholic Marriage Summit is taking place online June 11th through the 13th. It is absolutely free for you to register and participate. So why wouldn't you do this for your marriage? I'll have the link in the show notes um, at Ascension Press. As always, if you can't remember to go to ascensionpress.com, get those show notes sent right to your inbox. You can text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will automatically get added to an email list and get all those links and all the show notes always sent to your inbox. You won't have to worry about it. But otherwise, you can go to ascensionpress.com. The show notes for every episode of the Girlfriends podcast are always there. I will have the link for your free registration for that Catholic Marriage Summit. So it's not just Dan and me who are presenting in this conference. There are tons of really fabulous speakers who are a part of the lineup here. They've got uh, Christopher West and his wife, Wendy. Um, We've got Bobby and Jackie Angel, Leah and Ricky Darrow. There's just all these big names, Scott and Kimberly Hahn, you know them, uh, Teresa Tamio and her husband, Dominic. Just a, a huge lineup. If you follow the link in the show notes and go to that free registration page, you'll be able to see all the different talks that are going to be a part of this weekend through the Catholic Marriage Summit. And Dan and I are honored to be a part of it. We spent a part of this past weekend, working on our presentation, working on our talk. And it's really taking Dan outside of his comfort zone. Honestly, he doesn't do this sort of thing. I do this sort of thing. And um, I've been doing it for a while. So I have a certain comfort level with it. But I'm so proud of him that he was willing to do it. And honestly, he just did it to make me happy. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful to have married a man who will step out in that way and go beyond what's comfortable for him, because he knows it will make his wife happy. But also because he just really values um, the institution of marriage and values opportunities to share with other couples and encourage other couples inside of that important 
call to marriage and family life. So be looking for that. I hope you're going to be able to watch Dan and me do our presentation. It was it was really a lot of fun to do with him. It was it was work, uh, but we laughed a lot, and um, I really I really loved being able to work on that with him. And I can't wait to be able to share it with you. So follow that link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Get your free registration there. Um, but also, I want to mention also related to marriage, another project that Dan and I have been working on is the manual for marriage. So you might remember that Tan Books has a series of these manuals and they're really beautiful prayer books. I put out the uh, manual for women, which was focused on our calling as women. Uh, So wrote the front part of that book. And then there's a collection of beautiful prayers and other resources, scripture and, you know, stories from the lives of the saints and hymns and other other prayers and other resources that really encourage you inside of your spiritual life, especially reflecting on womanhood. Well, then Tan asked if Dan and I would write the Manual for Marriage, which is a similar format. And uh, we did do that. So we completed the manuscript. It's been a few months now. So it's always a joy when you work on a project like that. And then it, it seems like it kind of goes into incubation. But really, people are hard at work, you know, <laughs> editing it and laying out the format of it. And um, it's an absolutely beautiful book, a beautiful gift book, honestly, a gift for yourself or a gift for um, a couple getting married or as an anniversary gift for yourself or someone else. Um, this manual for marriage. So Dan and I wrote the front part and each each section, we focus on a different part of marriage. We talk about marriage as a sacrament. We talk about family life. We talk about uh, sacrificial love, um, differences between the sexes. And in each of those topics, we each take it up from our own perspective. So it kind of goes back and forth between my voice and Dan's. And then at the end of each section, we offer some practical points because you know me. I like my bullet points. I like to give you something to take away. If you listen to the Girlfriends podcast, you know I'm all about these practical points, things that you can take away from these conversations that we have about, you know, beautiful ideas, but it's also important to be putting them into practice to know what what can I do right now starting today to make a difference in my marriage and my family life. So, each of the sections ends with some practical points based on the theme. Um and so the front part is that. It's this these back and forth reflections between Dan and me on these various topics related to marriage and the last section on family life. And then the second part is, again, these beautiful resources, prayers for marriage, prayers that you can pray together as a couple, prayers you can be praying for one another, um, teachings of the church on marriage and family life, scripture passages um, for you to reflect on that are related to marriage and family living, and um, hymns, beautiful hymns, Stories from the Lives of the Saints. It's really such a beautiful collection of resources. And I have to tell you, this is insider information. Um, so usually the editorial staff at at TAN puts together that part of the book. So when I wrote the manual for women, um, I was part of that process, but I had a lot of help in gathering up those resources and putting that together. So when we were putting together this manual for marriage, Dan and I were writing the front part and speaking with our editor, um, he had been using our son Ambrose for some freelance editorial work for other projects, proofreading and whatnot that was going on. And he thought, hey, maybe 
I'll have him do this part of your book. So it's a full bean book. (laughs) Dan and I wrote the front part and our son Ambrose, even though he doesn't get credit on the inside of the cover or anything like that, he was the workforce behind pulling together all of those beautiful resources on marriage. And what a wonderful exercise for him because he was married this past January 3rd. So he's a newlywed himself, a wonderful project for him to be working on as he was entering newly married life himself. So you would like to check out the manual for marriage, I'm going to have a link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. I'll also be talking about it and sharing about it on my social media in the coming weeks. It's not officially available yet, but you can place your order. You can pre-order at tanbooks.com. Maybe by the time this podcast is live, it will be it will be shipping because we've already gotten our copies. And it's I, I can attest to the fact that it's a beautiful book to hold. It's got gold on the edges um, and, you know, like a, a leather-like cover. It's it's brown and has a beautiful symbol on the, on the cover and it just says the manual for marriage. So it really is a beautiful book to hold and to read and to reflect and pray with. But that said, I want to tell you that the essays that Dan and I wrote that part, um, he felt funny when he saw how beautiful the book was because his he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> if you if you listened to the show where he was a guest here on Girlfriends, you know this. And uh, he his humor comes through in his essays. And he thought, oh, maybe I should have written something that was much more formal and dry to kind of go with this, this layout of this book. But I told him, no, I, it, you needed to be you. And what he wrote is really actually very beautiful. I'm proud of Dan's contribution to the book. So I want you to be able to check it out too and check out the beauty of the book. It's absolutely a beautiful prayer resource. So I'm going to have the link to that available in the show notes. But like I said, I'm also going to be sharing on social media in the days and weeks to come. I'm not positive I'm going to get Dan to do another video anytime soon, but you'll be hearing from me on social media. And that's all the time we have for today. If you have feedback for me before next week, I would love to hear from you. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. I am Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Would love to be able to connect with you in those places. Let me know what you think of today's show. I did it a little bit differently, doing sort of a prayerful reflection. If you like that sort of thing, if you'd like to see something else, if there's a different topic you'd like to have me take up here on Girlfriends, I would love to hear from you. So email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Always happy to connect with you. And I'm just grateful that you've been here today. Thank you for being a part of today's show. I'm always grateful for the ways that you encourage and support the work that I do here at Girlfriends. So grateful for you. The most important thing you do is show up. Put those earbuds in and hit play. That is so encouraging for me. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of the Girlfriends community. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. Thank you.